This is the Beyond Belief Sobriety Podcast, where we examine topics of interest to people who seek a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Well, hello and welcome to Beyond Belief Sobriety. Uh, today, my guest is Don Ross. He is a certified hypnotherapist from the New England Institute of Hypnotherapy, a person in long-term recovery, and the author of Happy Hypnosis and the 12 Steps. Don teaches self-hypnosis and guided meditation, and he has personally employed these tools in conjunction with the 12 Steps as part of his own recovery. And he is here today as my guest to talk all about it. Welcome, Don, to Beyond Belief Sobriety. It's so good to have you. Well, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about my favorite subjects. It's really interesting. Uh, as I told you before we started recording, uh, I, I, there's only been one other person I've spoken to about hypnosis. That was uh, Adina Savestri. She has a podcast called Atheist in Recovery, and she's a therapist. And uh, She started practicing uh, hypnosis, I think, within the last year, and she found that it has been so successful, and she's been able to save so much time with her patients that she is just using that almost exclusively now with treating people. So um, I found that really interesting in talking with her. And then when we, we had a little discussion on our Facebook group, and you mentioned that you had this book, I thought, well, that is really interesting. I'd love to hear how you know he uses hypnosis as part of his recovery in the 12 Steps. I found that really interesting. Why don't we begin, if you don't mind, because I know nothing. Can you tell me what hypnosis is? Yes, I just I just love explaining it. I do this 10 to 20 times a week with new clients that come in and have no idea. They've heard about it. They've seen results with other people, but they really have no idea what's going on. And... Very simply, there's a, a brainwave state that you may go into when you go into prayer and meditation. Everybody goes into when they go from wake to sleep and comes back through when they go from sleep to awake. It's a brainwave state that can be measured, and it's just part of the human condition to have that. And from age birth to age seven, we're in those brainwave states 24-7. And our brain is soaking up patterns and seeing how things work. And a little baby, when its mother is holding it and the phone rings, the first time this baby ever heard a phone ring, it looks at its mother to see, is that a safe thing or a scary thing? What, what does that noise mean to us? And it tells by its mother's expression on its face. And then it incorporates that in its subconscious mind that when the phone rings, some people's mothers, it's a scary thing. It's going to be a bill collector or an angry person. Other people's mothers, it's, oh, goody, it's Aunt Mabel's pie <laughs> recipe, you know? And so that's how we get to be different personality types by that programming. And when we get to age seven, we enter what's called the age of concrete operations. And that kind of stops. We don't really change our opinion on things much after that. We've kind of got an idea how things work. And um, we our basic beliefs and 
understanding of things are, are already formed. And what hypnosis is going back into that programmable brain state that we all go through several times a day. And while we're in that brain state, entertaining suggestions of changing ways of experiencing things. When I was a cigarette smoker, there were a lot of different triggers that said it's time to smoke a cigarette. And consciously I could say, well, you know, that's not good for me. I don't want to do that anymore. But my subconscious has been programmed every time I smoked a cigarette to think it was calming me down, to think it was giving me an opportunity to have a, a break. And so I've got this positive reinforcement for a negative behavior. And I believe all addictions are very much like that. And I've heard so many people say that they, they found themselves just automatically driving to the liquor store when they really had decided not to do that. And with hypnosis, we go into that programmable brain state that is a natural thing and re-record doing it differently, seeing ourselves deciding not to pull into the liquor store and feeling powerful and feeling strong and feeling more in control and collapsing that pattern of automatically doing that old behavior. Interesting. So what's the difference between self-hypnosis and going to someone who helps helps you through hypnosis? Or I guess is it, it would be correct to say hypnotizes you? Is that correct terminology? Sure. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, and when I start with a, a client and I, I close the door, I put a sign on the door that says hypnosis in progress. And I always tell them, I don't hypnotize anybody. I set conditions that are conducive to reducing your brainwave state. I lead you through with instructions that are going to focus your attention more and more inwardly. But if you don't follow my instructions and you don't focus your attention the way I ask you to, and you really don't want to relax very deeply, you won't. I can't, I can't make you. Um, but, so basically all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And um, when I listen to a recording that leads me through those same uh, thoughts and focuses, I'm going to end up in a dreamlike state, but I'm still aware of what's going on around me. And my subconscious mind, if it hears a suggestion that it thinks is an upgrade, it's going to incorporate that. If it, if it doesn't like it, if it repels it, then it's going to not accept it. It's not going to change it. So it's, 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 it's very unusual that somebody is so suggestible that you can get them to do or, or think something that doesn't go with their core beliefs. Right. Well, is it, okay. That's interesting. And how is that different from meditation or is it different? It's different in that we go into the same brainwave state, but while we're there, we want to make some changes. In meditation, I'm just quiet and listening. I, I do several different kinds of meditation one of them is transcendental meditation where I, I've been given a mantra that I repeat silently over and over again, and that's allowing my brain waves to slow down and 
having that simple thought of that mantra is expelling and keeping out other thoughts. So my mind more and more is quieter and quieter. And I just go to a place that's just peaceful. I don't have any goals to change anything. I just want to quiet things. And when I listen to a hypnosis recording, I'll, listen, I'll make recordings for myself and listen to them. Um, and while I'm there, when I get down into that slow brainwave state, I want to imagine seeing myself talking to John Sheldon on the podcast and, and being confident and my thoughts coming clearly and, and just kind of rehearsing what I want to happen. And it allows that to happen naturally instead of, you know, getting tongue tied or, or fearful and seeing things going the way I want them to go. How about that? I didn't even think about that, that it would be something that you could use for the here and now or the, or some future event that you're preparing for. I would always think of it as something that you're going to be dealing with some past issue or some behavior you want to change, but to think of it like, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to do a public speaking, um, uh, thing. And I could actually employ the, these methods to help give me the confidence and so forth to go out and do the job that I want to do. Absolutely. Just the, the, the fact that I completed writing the book is, is a testament to the, the benefits of hypnosis. I, in my past, was a, a horrible procrastinator. I was the guy in school that was doing the assignment the night before when we had all semester to get it done and um, to, to see myself completing the book and having the book. And I used a lot of hypnosis to help me overcome that procrastination. What's the story behind you getting involved, getting interested in hypnosis and incorporated it into your recovery? Uh, was this part of the recovery process for you? Oh, yes. I, um, I had a perfect storm of, of mental issues come all at once in my life. I, I, I lost a lot of money in 2008 and um, my depression had already been worsening, and I uh, was disillusioned with the medical solution to depression. It just wasn't working out, and I was trying to wean myself off those. And I was using a self-hypnosis program to deal with depression. And in doing that and weaning myself off the medication too quickly, um, I had a bad experience. My drinking got way out of control, and I was more or less sent back to AA by loving family members in one of those intervention kind of things. So I was already using hypnosis to help with the depression, and a lot of what that program taught was that we had basic human needs that weren't being met, and that's why we felt depressed. That's why we're anxious. And a lot of those needs are met by the program, by going to meetings, seeing people, talking to people. Um, so that was really helpful. And to be able to stop the problem behaviors, I was working as a hypnotherapist. I was helping people quit smoking cigarettes. Oh, really? Before you got into recovery? Yeah. Oh, how about that? And I, it just seemed like a no-brainer. If, if you could stop smoking cigarettes with hypnosis, why not 
use hypnosis to stop using alcohol. And, and that's what I did for myself. And I, you know, I have no idea what my experience would have been without the hypnosis. I wouldn't want to try, but uh, you know, you see a lot of people in this revolving door on the, the first step and, you know, going back out and coming back in. And I, I don't know if I would have been one of those people or not, but I, I know that I used hypnosis just like I would to quit smoking cigarettes, use that to quit drinking alcohol while I was going to meetings every day and getting a sponsor and, and working the steps. But I have to admit, I, I didn't really do that fearlessly and thoroughly and to the point where at eight months sober, I was suicidal. I was very depressed, very angry, and um, that's when I, I decided I really needed to apply the steps thoroughly, and my problem with a higher power wasn't as big as my problem with about to commit suicide, so I just decided to fake it till you make it and go ahead and act as if and I found that I now believe that the prayers that I was using then were a form of self-hypnosis. And that, you know, when, when I go through my prayer and meditation, I'm, I'm helping my subconscious mind look at what I have to be grateful for, look at how can I be helpful, look at altruistic things and, and stop dwelling on the victim thoughts shifting over my my um, my focus of attention from being a victim of all those things that I uncovered in the fourth step to to being the the beneficiary of having lived through those things and and now have the trust in myself that I can go through troubling things and and come out a better person afterwards mm-hmm. you wrote quite a bit about the steps now you were you were careful to let uh, the reader know that this isn't a, a guide through the steps, but you kind of you discuss the steps from your own personal perspective. But I w- I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how you how how would a person use um, uh, self hypnosis in conjunction with the steps? How 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 would you use hypnosis with the steps? How do the two work together? Well. In working the steps, I think it's really helpful to be clear-headed. And when I was new in recovery, I, I had a lot of anxiety. Yeah, yeah, I did too. And I think it's probably it, common. I in withdrawing from the antidepressants, and there's something called post-withdrawal um, syndrome with with the alcohol. It's a heightened anxiety. I. Actually, my shirt would stick to my back at a meeting. I was that anxious. And um, so uh, using hypnosis to just calm down. It's like rebooting a computer to, to calm everything down, let all those thoughts and worries slip into the background. And now as I'm in that calm place, then I can, I can understand what I'm reading when I'm reading the big book and I can hear what my sponsor's saying when he's suggesting, suggesting I write a gratitude list instead of whining about how my wife doesn't understand me, uh, shifting my attention. And that's what hypnosis really gets 
like your therapist friend was saying, how quickly these changes can happen. I can start to notice when I'm thinking anxious thoughts and stop myself and laugh at the anxious thoughts and start thinking, well, what would be something helpful to think about now? And, and to, to be able to, to participate in my own recovery uh, more efficiently. Now that makes sense. Um, I've told this story before in this podcast on another episode, but um, my first, I think, six months for sure uh, being sober, I did have a lot of the anxiety, constantly worrying about uh, problems that were coming up that were that were left over from my drinking time. And I, I didn't really have any um, attention span, it seemed, because I was always diverted on onto something else. And I remember that I was going to just decide that I was going to get a book. And I got Charles Dickens. <laughs> I was going to read a book just to see if I could remember what I read, you know? And it was not easy because I, my mind was, I was so... I was so afraid of future events more than anything else. Uh, My life was a shambles. And so it was really difficult to get those thoughts out of my head. So what I would try to do, I just try to focus on this book. And sometimes I'd have to read a chapter, understand that I, I, I didn't remember a damn thing from it, go back and read it again. It took, it was a real exercise, but I was, I was just noticing that my, there was something wrong with my, I wasn't really able to focus and think. And it sounds to me like you found a better way of doing it through hypnosis that you were able to find a way to quiet that anxiety down so that you could focus on, on what, on your recovery and participate in your recovery. I can see how that'd be very useful. Yes, absolutely. I, I think it was crucial for me in the state I was in, um, I, I don't, I don't, I hate to think what would have happened without it. And that's one of the, the things that I, that keeps me going to promote the book and the concept of using hypnosis with recovery is that so many people are able to get away from their drinking, but they still have underlying issues that, uh, oh, I didn't drink today, so I'm a winner. And I see people with long-term recovery that are, are dealing with um, resentments and, and uh, anxieties um, and not thinking that they, they have some choice in the matter, that they could fix that. And that's, to me, that's what steps six and seven are all about, is that I am continually looking for areas in my life where I can improve and then using hypnosis to improve them. And to me, that's what steps six and seven are all about. If I come up in step 10 more than once with some something that went badly, I, I can find some way to use hypnosis to help me through six and seven to fix that instead of every day having the same sort of things come up and my step 10 being short with my wife or, or whatever it might be, uh, that's something I can fix. And, and the, the, the point of the steps to me is that it's, it's a, a tool to use to illuminate what needs fixing and to apply myself to fix it. And I, I, I think that's the biggest benefit of, of hypnosis um, is that it, it 
is a most efficient way of changing something that seems to be coming up over and over again as a problem. Do you think that it helps? Do, do you think that, that using hypnosis helped you uh, go deeper in your fourth step than if you didn't have that tool? That's a good question. I, I don't think so. I think um, the desperation helped me go deeper. I was truly ready to pull the trigger. I was, I was to the point where I was thinking my suicide would be too hard for my son who has special needs. And I considered I needed to shoot him first. And I, you know, you may hear about somebody that has done something like that and think, how could anyone what's, but it was my reality at that dark place, eight, eight months without a drink. And that's where I was. And that's when I decided I needed to do this very thoroughly as if my life depended on it because it, it really did. And so that, that, that's what really drove me to, to do a really thorough, fearless and honest, everything I could think of. Yeah. You wrote that you did it. that and you show the people you sponsor now what you did because you want them to know that you're not asking them to do something you didn't do because you were that thorough. You were used anything you could possibly remember. And then you went and you shared that with another person and, um, as we are to, as we should do. Um, but you, um, really seemed to take it to an, an extra degree. It was really important to you. I, I really felt like, you know, it was my, my only chance at, at getting a handle on this. And, and it did, you know, after, after I did the fifth step, which I kind of tried to cheat on, but I, I found I couldn't, my anxiety just got worse and worse. And I just kind of told the guy I was going through the big book with it. I'm, I'm going to finish my fifth step. And his eyes started getting bigger and bigger as I told him things I was never going to tell anybody. And I really did feel a, a, a huge relief from that. And, and I, I, I think things have been getting better ever since. I did too. And I think that, uh, when they wrote about that step in the big book, I think, I think it was in the either big book or 12, 12, I think the big book, uh, I think that they hit the nail on the head when they said that it helps us re it helps us connect with, with our humanity that we know that, you know, we are, um, <laughs> no, we're no different than any other person. You know, um, I felt like we're part, I joined, I had to say we've rejoined the human race, something along those lines. It says, you know, that I'm a part of at last, and that's how I felt. I felt like, okay, I'm no longer, um, I'm not just some freak of nature who has had these weird thoughts, but I'm just a human being and other people have had the same feelings. And then you write about steps six, six and seven. And in the back of your book, in the appendix, you do go through, you, you provide like um, um, hypnosis scripts for those steps, one through uh, six and seven, I believe, right? And that those steps six and seven, ironically enough, as an atheist, are my two favorite steps. <laughs> I think the two most important steps. And you were just talking about it because that's where a lot of the work is involved in the actual change that we need to make. And I can understand how those two steps where hypnosis would be really valuable for those two particular steps as you go through those. Absolutely. Two. 
And I think as an atheist, I have an advantage because I'm not expecting some magic spirit in the sky to take care of these things. I, I want to take responsible. Like I said, when I run into the same issue in my 10th step over and over, I know, you know there's something in my 6th and 7th that I need to do about that. And um, being short with my wife is one of the big ones. Um, and it's there's buttons that get pushed just like our our addiction gets triggered there's you know i i i had a a terrible childhood i had uh, adverse childhood events the therapists call them you know the death of a a parent and different uh, abuses mental emotional abuse and physical abuse and sexual abuse and all kinds of things that really should never happen to anybody. And I was the victim of all these things. And they still can trigger things in my life today where I can act quite insane at just at the drop of a hat when it's, you know, it's triggered something I haven't addressed and cleared away. I didn't recognize it. Maybe I didn't remember it. Um, I, I just had a, a whole trauma release recently about something I did wasn't covered in my fourth step um, because I hadn't remembered it and and it came up now and I, I'm able to put it through the the steps now and and process it so that I won't be triggered by that any longer yeah it sounds like a lot of this um, if I've ever talked to someone about mindfulness this seems to be seems to come into play with with the practice of mindfulness is there some similarity you think with what you're doing and and that practice, absolutely. Except with the caveat that if I sit with my emotion, mindfulness teaches me all oh, the welcome in this emotion and sit with it. And if I'm a victim of a post traumatic stress disorder mechanism, that's sitting with something that's triggering a traumatic memory can be very harmful. And um, people that haven't got that particular problem would never consider how harmful it could be to just sit with that feeling. Let's just sit with that now. <laughs> and, uh, and I believe, you know, I've heard some religious people say that God's never going to give you anything you can't handle. Well, if that were true, there would <laughs> never be a suicide. Right. I mean, right. look at all the suicides. Those people couldn't handle yeah, right, that. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and that's the way I kind of look at mindfulness. It, it works really well with a lot of um, mild emotional things that I can just sit with that sadness for a while and, and notice where I feel it in my body and notice... And, and it'll maybe dissipate. But if I'm somebody who's suffering from uh, severe mental disturbances, that might not be a good idea. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. 
If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.